always tell people like this is sex sex is sacred you don't have to do it if you wake up and you're not in a good headspace you don't have to film if you wake up and your body says no you don't have to do it and even if you promise somebody that you would do it guess what you don't have to do it <laughs> like and some people call that unprofessional and they're like i always show up and i always do it and and i mean i mean good for them but i think that doing this kind of job is taxing on mental health taxing on the body and some days it's just not meant to be and that's what i think separates fan content from studio content is there's less pressure to do things I'm George Lizos, spiritual teacher, psychic healer, and number one best-selling author. Growing up in a small and Christian community, I was judged and rejected for being gay and different. After a futile two-year attempt to change who I was born to be, I called myself a human abomination and almost took my own life. Fortunately, in my darkest moment, I saw the light and ventured on a healing journey of love, forgiveness, and spiritual awakening. Yet my dating life since hasn't always been all roses and rainbows, and my past dramas and traumas have definitely kept things spicy. Fast forward past many awkward dates and disappointing sex, I created Can't Host to challenge toxic gay stereotypes, explore the complex dynamics of gay sex and relationships, and create opportunities for healing and growth. If you're a gay guy seeking more joy, freedom, and authenticity in your sex life and relationships, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Can Host. I'm your host, George Lizos, and this is part two of my interview with porn star Greg McKeon. The first episode is called Gay Porn Secrets, Fake Cam Shots, Stunt Dicks, Penal Injections. And today we're talking about OnlyFans secrets, but so much more as well. But before we get into it, let me remind you that my Dick Magnet Subliminal Affirmations track is available to download for free. And all you have to do is go to georgelizos.com forward slash Dick Magnet to download it. To remind you, I have a whole episode, by the way, about this explaining how subliminal affirmation tracks works. But essentially, it's a 25-minute meditation music that you can play in the background while you work or while you're meditating or whatever it is you do that's relaxing. And it has affirmations that are really low in volume so you can barely hear them all about manifesting hot sex. I've been using it for the past few weeks right now and I've been manifesting some really fun experiences. So I'm excited for you to experience that too. So make sure to go and get it at georgelizos.com forward slash dickmagnet and the link is in the show notes as well. So let's get into the episode today because we talk about so many things. So this was initially a single interview and I split into two parts and this is part two we start where we left off, where we just started talking about Greg's experience with OnlyFans. But we go way beyond OnlyFans. Now, when it comes to OnlyFans, we talk about OnlyFans bots, which is something that many creators are starting to use right now, and what Greg knows about it. We talk about the theme that he uses in his OnlyFans videos, the difference between OnlyFans and working for studios, and why it's way more profitable for many creators to just use and work on OnlyFans rather than work for studios, what a day in the life looks like for an OnlyFans creator, 
what you need to know business-wise when it comes to setting up your own OnlyFans, if you're interested, and how to find your work and personal life balance when you are essentially running your own business, because that's what it is. But beyond that, we go deep into talking about the sacredness of sex, all kinds of sex, and Greg shared something that gave me a huge epiphany and liberated so many things and helped me understand something that I have been struggling with for a long period of time. We talk about the importance of consent and communication in not just porn, but sex in general. We talk about twinks making a comeback, aggressive dumb tops, slut shaming and how to overcome shame around sex, gay cruises, cruising apps, glory holes, and my new favorite term, surprise anal. Did you know what surprise anal was? Cause I had no idea. And I don't wanna experience it to be honest because there is no consent in that, but it was a fun term to learn. So a lot of things to unpack here. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna make you think. It's gonna make you reconsider things about your own self and sexuality and your own healing journey. I'm so excited for you to listen to this. Make sure to go check out Greg's resources. Again, they're all available in the show notes. And I would love to hear from you. So make sure to come on Instagram at George Lisas and let me know how you enjoyed the episode. Let's get started. Let's transition into OnlyFans actually, because that's very interesting. Because I feel it's given entertainers the ability to leverage that fame and that audience that they have and bring them onto a platform where I guess you have more control of who you sleep with and what kind of content you put out there. So how have you used from like a business perspective, your fame, your popularity to leverage it with OnlyFans? When I started, I didn't show my face. I basically made everybody wait to see me bottom my husband started doing it he didn't show his face so it was kind of a very slow trickle in and now what people are doing is they're not showing especially people like youtubers and people from mainstream entertainment singers and stuff like this they'll not post porn and this is not a porn page we don't do that and then they'll be like oh my god i'm drunk I shouldn't be sending this, but I have a jerk off video or maybe not even I'm drunk. Maybe it's just, I shouldn't be doing this. And so they'll be like pushing the boundaries of what is it, of what they're willing to do for money. And like a lot of these people are making a ton of money because I mean, I learned this pretty early on. If I didn't post my asshole and then somebody said, I really want to see your asshole, I'll pay you 50 bucks or a hundred bucks. They would then pay it. But if it's all over your page, they then won't pay it. So, but I took a business class, a community college once, very esteemed community college, Fresno City College. And they said, look, you can be a world-class business by doing things better or more often than others. You could kind of be like a cash grab business and be just trying to make quick money. And so with my OnlyFans, I've always tried to treat it how I would want to, to have it be done as a consumer, which is you pay to join their page, you get everything. You don't have to jump through hoops to see things. They do a good job making the best quality they can. Every video gets better than the last video. Focusing on editing, lighting, try to make the video like really pop and like really memorable. Where some of the guys do barely nothing and they make 
five times, 10 times what I'm making. And it's just because they're like Instagrammers with huge followings or YouTubers and people just want to see it. And then what's happened lately, um, I was reading an article about this and I've been approached by some of these companies. You have OnlyFans management companies that are helping manage people's accounts and they're basically helping the models do chats so that they don't have to chat to everyone themselves and be like, hey, how are you? Oh, I just got home. I'm horny. What are you up to? Oh, not much. And then they'll say like, oh, can I see more? And then you send a pay-per-view message. And the pay-per-view message, the first one is like $20. And then if they respond and they're super horny, then the next video message, which is only like probably one to two minutes, is like $50. And then if they want another one, you can charge $70. And then if they want to see the cum shot, then it's like $100. So then by the time you put them through the script, because people pre-record this type of content, allegedly, I mean, I've been told. And um, so then you could make hundreds of dollars from each person because they're horny and they want to see the content now where i've felt that people when i got approached by these kinds of companies people that are trying to be me while chatting to somebody isn't giving the authentic experience if you chat to me you're actually talking to me i don't respond every single minute of every day because i have other things to do sometimes people have written to me and said you you built up this message unread for two days and i'm like yeah i have a life i get to it as or i tell them not i have a life but i get i get so many messages it's impossible to keep up but really that means i'm doing other things i'm playing with my dog i'm going to the gym i'm editing videos but i feel like the authentic approach is the the best one but again some of these people it shows you what percentage you're in of all creators on OnlyFans. It gives you like on the top of your page what percentage you're in. And during the pandemic, I, I got up to like 0.4. And then recently, the percentage keeps dropping down. And it's because all these people are doing this new chat model where every day you get a message from the creators and you're like, hey, how are you? Hey, what's up? And sometimes I laugh because you can tell that the person writing them is like hired from overseas somewhere where English isn't their first language. And there's a lot of videos on YouTube about how to start your own management company and how to do these chat dialogues. Yeah, eventually people will find out because I feel that authenticity sells. Authenticity is more important than all those bots. I mean, it's the same thing with all social media sites, with Instagram as well. There are, there are bots going on and eventually people find out and then you lose from that. So it's great that you, you put in like your, your whole heart and you're doing things in an authentic way. And what you said earlier about how you didn't do uh, bottoming, for example, because there was a lot of demand for that. I noticed that a couple of days ago when in preparation for the interview, I was scrolling through your porn uh, films. I could see you like topping all the time, but I could never find like a bottoming video of you. So I, I had to Google like Greg McGee on bottoming. And I'm like, there were a few videos, of course, as well. So it's that logic of when you see something and there's a high supply, it's a basic economics theory, <laughs> high demand, low supply. When there's a lot of supply for something, you don't want it. When there's a lot of demand and no supply, of course you want it. Same thing with this, that it's actually something that I thought while you were talking about this and I found this so interesting. When you I ha- was doing studio films, I, yes. I always topped and I said, you know, I'm going to keep the bottoming for my OnlyFans. And also I'm not a very good bottom. So on OnlyFans, we can edit it together and take breaks and there's like no pressure 
where like I tried to bottom once for a studio film and it was like outside on the dirt and I got like one minute of dick in my ass and I said this fucking blows like this is not this is not fun this is not what I want to be doing so I don't know I mean some people are really great bottoms um, I think sometimes people on my page like to watch me struggle and they said oh this like this alpha top character now is getting now is suffering ha ha look at look at this pitch boy so they've like enjoyed the because when i started doing porn i looked at who was the most popular and this kind of dom top mean to twink character was really popular and so i kind of like replicated what i saw in those videos originally and then once i started bottoming i was like oh no no there's two types of people people that want to be or two types of porn there's like sweet tender porn and then there's like mean dom top and that kind of energy and some people want to be fucked like like forced and just and then there's other people who like want to be treated like a human so i don't know yeah. i've i've had a shift in my in my porn career and now i'm like like can we cuddle at the end of the video <laughs> rather <laughs> i mean i could still do it if somebody wants to be domed yeah. but now i'm always like making sure that we talk about these things ahead of time and find out what the energy of the video, because both sell. People like both. You've talked about consent right now. So how does this play out like in studios? Our boundaries cross and how do you ensure they're not? I've, I went to a porn conference this year called XBiz and they had um, different speakers and panelists. And what they were saying for the straight world and for sometimes the kink world, they have like a checklist of everything everybody's into anything people are not into. And so, and they said that they have people fill it out every single time because what you might've been into a week ago, you might not be into now. Something might've changed. You might have some physical reason why you can't do something now, et cetera. So now I have realized that the power of communicating and to talking to models about their experiences with other models and finding out that some people didn't know that somebody's like super aggressive and then they do the scene and they were like, whoa, whoa, what was that? That was crazy. That didn't make me feel good. And so it kind of made me think about the early scenes I did and how I would be like, okay, Dom dad's here. Like this is what's going down and how I feel now when I'm bottoming. And like, even for my, my only fans, one time we had this big dick top to the farm and I, he goes like, like, I can't wait to, like, dominate you or something. I said, you have to make me think that you love me at some point or my ass isn't going to open up. And you have to give yeah. me some kind of, like, connection. And he goes, not going to happen. And so I didn't bottom for him. <laughs> I was like, Good. I'm not yeah. kidding. Now, let's talk about themes. Do you have a specific theme for your OnlyFans? Do you have something that, that you put out more? And what is it that people want more from you? Yeah, so I always shoot with natural light living in the Pacific Northwest. I moved up here because the Twilight movies were filmed up here. And I thought huh. the overcast lighting was nice. Um, it is. When we first moved here, we lived in a house with a lot of skylights and big windows. And the lighting was phenomenal. And then we ended up moving next door and bought the neighbor's farm. And now we live in a barn house. And it's much more modest housing with like normal sized windows and no skylights. And shooting here has been a bitch. So we do a lot of stuff in the greenhouse we built. Um, because it has really nice lighting. But whenever I'm traveling and staying in hotels, I'm always like looking at like, not the compass, but like, hey, sun's over here. Sun's going to set over here. When is the golden hour? Will we get light in? 
How's it going to play out? So I've really tried to do a good job with the lighting. And then also we're for studio porn, because we have to play characters and we have to kind of continue having sex all day with OnlyFans. I actually like the connection more than the escape with it. And so I have models come stay at the farm for a couple of days. And if we really vibe well, the videos get better and better as the, as the scenes go. If we don't get along, then there's one video from a person who's been here three days and there's no, there's no promotion of them on my Twitter. And it just wasn't meant to be. I've even had models come over for a shoot. Luckily, well, I guess one stayed here and I just didn't feel it. And then I said, Hey, we're not, I'm not going to shoot with you. I'm sorry. And then my husband's always like, yeah, but then you just walked off the set and then I had to do it. And I'm like, Dave, you can tell them you don't want to do it. But if like yeah. the energy is not there, we don't have to, I mean, you don't have to complete the, the task at hand. And sometimes when we were in Miami, we stayed at the, the gathering. It's like a gay friendly hotel. And it's really cool because they give content creators free rooms in, in exchange for marketing materials for them to use. And we had somebody who was going to come shoot with us. And I said, come at like five. And I didn't realize it was going to be dark then. So I said, hey, it's going to be dark when we're supposed to shoot. I use natural light. Can we do tomorrow at three? And then he went on Twitter and said, these guys are flakes. They're going to cancel on you. And like got really hot and bothered that. And I told him we could still do it at five or we could do it whenever. But like he was not okay with change. So whenever I've been on Twitter and feel like giving unsolicited to the masses i always tell people like this is sex sex is sacred you don't have to do it if you wake up and you're not in a good headspace you don't have to film if you wake up and your body says no you don't have to do it and even if you promise somebody that you would do it guess what you don't have to do it <laughs> like and some people call that unprofessional and they're like i always show up and i always do it and and i mean i mean good for them but I think that doing this kind of job is taxing on mental health, taxing on the body. And some days it's just not meant to be. And that's what I think separates fan content from studio content is there's less pressure to do things. And so people have said in my videos, what separates my brand apart from others is that we smile in our videos. And yes. you can see everybody's happy and having fun. Because if you can't have fun doing it, then why even bother doing it? Like, and you know, you know what, Greg, I love what you just said. Sex is sacred. Now, this is something that's been used against sex by religion and by so many people, like creating shame and guilt around the experience of sex and what kind of sex is sacred and what kind of sex isn't sacred. And it was such an epiphany for me. And I think it liberated me and maybe many other people listening right now when you just said that because all sex is sacred. And that's something that it's important for us to realize because especially in the gay community, we have so much shame that society puts on us from a very young age about who we are, how we're supposed to be and what gay sex is. I remember personally, I'm in my, I'm 33 years old right now. And throughout my 20s, I wasn't really having sex. And I only realized a couple of years ago, which is why I started this podcast, it was because of all the shame that I held for so long that even though I accepted the fact that I was gay, deep down, I felt shame around gay sex. And I, I, thought, it, or I thought of it as something dirty or as something sinful. So 
just realizing and affirming that sex is sacred, casual sex is sacred, any kind of consensual sex is sacred. I think that is a powerful statement. So thank you so much for sharing this. Yeah, I thought when I was in my early 20s too, my, my mom told me that, that if I met people from the internet, they were going to kill me and that they might cut my penis off and put it in their fridge and gave me the example of all the different serial killers. So I was like scared to meet people in like college and stuff like that. And two, whenever I would finish, I would have this immediate guilt and like shame and be like, what did I do? Because like, I was trying to not be gay for a long time and trying yeah. to like, could I get, could I have this straight relationship? I'm not really attracted to women. I have, I would have sex with them in college and like not really be into it, thinking about the guys on my floor or whatever. But then I would have gay sex and then immediately be totally like spooked as soon as I'd be done. Like, I can't tell you how many times I got dressed and got the fuck out of there. Like there was no hanging out, nothing. Um, and even in my twenties, when I was go-go dancing, my friend said, he goes, you really didn't care about having sex in your twenties. You just wanted to have fun. You just wanted to party, go hang out at the bar, drink, dance. And like, I wasn't going and having a lot of gay sex. I also find that sometimes I like like twinks. and I like younger guys. I like, and I think it's, it's, it's more because they have a good attitude. They're happy. Their dicks stay hard. They're fun to have sex with. I don't know. They're not as like jaded as some other people. And then there's sometimes people write the meanest comments about them. And they're like, I can't believe that this underage looking person is having sex with this old pervert and me or another old pervert or a big muscle daddy. And it's like, these guys are like 23 years old. They might not have like tattoos and beards like other 23 year olds, but they're still a human that deserve to have sex with other humans. And if yeah. they want to have sex with a 40 or 50 year old man, they shouldn't be being shamed for it. And they shouldn't be. And the same goes for the other way around. Like if somebody like I'm five foot seven, I like to pretend like I'm like six foot five in my head. So for me to be this like big, like lift you up, carry you around kind of character, in real life for, for studios, it works well if I'm with somebody who's smaller than me. So that would usually be somebody younger or twink. And that's what I've realized too, is that I like being with people smaller than me. Or, I mean, I also love when I go on gay cruises, I have a little bit of a fetish for like older men, like grandpas, but that's something people don't know about me. Because like when you have sex with somebody older sometimes and they're really happy that they're having sex with you, they treat you really nice. They give you a really good time. They're just fun. But like when I was at a sex club in um, at the sauna in Amsterdam, I remember going into a booth with like a really hot 30-something-year-old. And we both looked at each other like, okay, it's your turn. Do, do what you're going to do to me. And we're both like just too much like there was no like difference. Like I like the No polarity, no polarity, like, yeah. Where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm older and more experienced, so I'm going to take the reins or... I'm going to let you take the reins. Like, it was just like, I don't know, just. <laughs> and and I think it's, sometimes it's so important uh, around what you just said to allow ourselves to experiment outside of our quote unquote type. I remember from my own experience, I had a type for many years. It was a very specific kind of type. And then in my 30s, I'm like, you know what? It's not just about the looks. It's also about the connection in the moment and the kind of energy that I'm feeling within me, the kind of vibe that I get from the other person. And sometimes I've had some amazing sex this year with guys that don't fit into my quote-unquote definition of a type. 
but it was equally like enjoyable. And I think it's what you just said. Sometimes you want to, you want to you try something else. You want to feel something different. You have this kind of energy, and it's important to allow ourselves to explore that. And that's where where I think the the, the power of of porn lies in that it gives us this escape and this ability to explore our likes and dislikes. I would like something like this. I would like to try something like that before even trying it in bed because you can see what you're attracted to. And of course, sometimes you cannot express all those fantasies in real life, but you can get an idea of the kind of feeling that you want to feel. For example, I want to feel more submissive or I want to feel more dominant. And then you can take that feeling and translate it into something that makes sense and is consensual in uh, in your normal sex life. Have you found that as well? Yeah, I love to go on gay cruises. It's basically a floating bathhouse. And my favorite thing to do is to go to the parties, find somebody you want to hook up with, take them back to the room. If you start walking back to the room and the energy's off, you just have to do a costume change or like refresh. And then you don't do anything or you can try something out. And then if it's not working out, you can go back to the party. And so there's no pressure, which in real life, if I'm hooking up with someone from Grindr or from Scruff or something, I still have my mom in the back of my head going, they're going to kill you. They're going to cut <laughs> off your penis. So like for me to invite somebody into my home or to go to their house doesn't seem necessarily as safe. And in Portland, we have, uh, well, in the US, and I think around the world, they have an app called Sniffies. Yes. where you can find like glory holes and um, cruising spots. And Gosh, we so don't have it here. We don't have it. I really need this hub. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. And then, but it's like, it's really crazy because people like can list any spot as a cruising spot. So yeah. sometimes they'll list places that aren't conventional places to meet and or illegal places to meet. And then eventually they'll get like taken off. For a while, there were people listing at the airport different terminals like i'm in the terminal four bathroom and then now at the airport the whole area is blocked off because i'm sure they got requests like you can't tell people to cruise but it's like it's user generated so it's not from sniffies it's just from people but so we have we have glory holes in portland at the video like the sex stores we have like a video arcade and you have like five porn screens and then you have like two or one glory holes or you have like a window that opens up so like a voyeur window and then fantasy dicks just start coming through or like hands start padding through the thing. And so I've had a lot of fun and not so much fun at these glory holes because sometimes if you just, if you like the dick, it gives you an opportunity to try out that dick. Or if you want to see what a stranger sucking your dick will feel like, which sometimes people that go to these glory holes just to suck dick, they really know what they're doing. And yeah. so they really give, they really give good service. I mean, 10 out of 10 would recommend to a friend. But sometimes when you're going to the glory hole, you put your dick in the hole and you think they're sucking your dick. And then the next thing you know, you're like fucking them. And so I call that surprise anal. And that's a little bit, a little bit startling at first because you didn't know that that was going to be something that was going to happen. And if you're going to be one of the people doing surprise anal, make sure you're like cleaned out properly. Because if yes. you're going to like cruise at the glory hole and you want to try different things out oh. and you pull it out and it's a mess and then you have to go to the like one bathroom, one dirty bathroom and like refresh. And at that point, Gosh. I'm just like, go home. You, now you're not the fresh one. And I'm sure there's some people who are like, we love them dirty, but <laughs> that's not for me. 
It does happen. What, I mean, bathhouses as well. All around Europe, we have like glory holes as well. I don't know how it works in the US with bathhouses, but in the ones I've been to, there's always like areas where there are like uh, little rooms with, with glory holes and uh, places where people can look through as well. I was going to say, I do think though, in, in terms of surprise anal and people that watch things on videos and like, I do think there is some power in communicating and talking about things. So I'm always like trying to be the voice of reason. And I'm like, you know, just like, hey, you want to stick it in my ass? You know, just give them the option. And I know that that exactly. might take away the vibe. I One time I was at an orgy and this I was on the Trimix the first time and my dick's just hanging out. And he just comes over and he goes and just puts it inside of him. <laughs> and I was like, okay, now I've, now I've been raped as a top. I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, consent, <laughs> people, consent. <laughs> and I mean, people no. are like fucked up at these parties, and it, but that's one of the things that I notice in Europe right now is they have these like kind of more underground parties. There's a party called Pornoceptual from Berlin, and their whole thing is about telling you the rules ahead of time, having somebody at the door, and being like, "Here is, here's what consent is." You can have nonverbal, you can have verbal consent. Please make sure that everyone's following the practices because this kind of like wild and now like, oh, you're in a dark room, they must consent is a little bit much for some people, especially for the younger generations. And then yes. when people are like, well, why is there no one like more new people in this situation? And it's like, because people come and try this and have these weird experiences and never come back. So in order to exactly. grow the underground sex scene, everyone just talks a little bit. I love that. I love that. That would make me feel so much better if I had a rule book. I'm, I'm a person that loves rules. <laughs> now, you talked a little bit in the beginning about how you have your mom's voice in your head telling you, oh, this person will, will, will come and kill me if, if you meet someone like online. I'm curious, how have you worked through a lot of those fears and limiting beliefs? And also the judgment, because I'm sure there was judgment coming from from society. And was there judgment coming from family, from society? And how have you resolved those inner feelings and judgments through the years well the reason i got into porn at 31 was that my mom died at 31 she had mm -hmm. brain cancer and so when she died i was like you know what if we're all gonna die then does it really matter what other people think and doesn't it about doing what you want to do to make yourself happy and i was in such a dark place i was like i don't give a shit i'm gonna do whatever i want if i want to party if i want to go take stuff if i want to go do this i'm going to do it all like because if if that's going to make me feel better at the time i don't recommend doing that if you're in a grief situation just going crazy <laughs> i now i'm like mostly sober and i'm uh, really like modest in my approach with going out and stuff and i was never doing like hard hardcore drugs even just taking some things that most people take at parties and not the party with the tea just like at a rave or something I mean, it doesn't help your mental health if you're trying to recover from something. But that was why I got into doing porn was that I was like, well, now my mom's not going to see it. She's not going to ask any questions. She's not going to me put up a link that says, do not click this family and then be like, well, what is this link? My aunt, on the other hand, I'm pretty sure she's clicked the wrong links. Because one time at Thanksgiving, it was very awkward. <laughs> her and her husband were like making like jokes. And they've been like my husband and, um, I have, a, I have a brother who's gay and they both saw the family dick videos on like Pornhub or something. And they didn't know that I was doing that studio. I never disclosed to them which porn studios I was doing. 
and it was the video with the grandpa and they both like at one point like met up for some family holiday and then they were like exchanging stories about coming across this video and i was so mortified oh my god it was kind of funny but you know what it's interesting surprising but but really not surprising what you just said that when your mother died it sort of liberated you to to just do it because she wouldn't be there to just judge you or just have an objection and that's essentially what happened with me my dad died four years ago six months after my dad died i have a sex podcast (laughs) i dyed my hair blonde and i have two earrings and i finally started having enjoyable sex and i had realized first unconsciously and then eventually i realized it consciously that i had let my dad's presence because he didn't accept the fact that i was gay hold me back from expressing 100% of who I was. And it was only when he was gone that I no longer feel that judgment and therefore the shame that came with it that allowed myself to start exploring my sexuality and talking about sex and, and doing this kind of work as well. So it's interesting how our parents have so much power over us, even if they accept us. Because did your mom like accept the fact that you were gay before? or yeah, was, she, was totally, she, have she was totally fine with it. She always yeah. just wanted me to be like the most successful, happiest I could be. And yeah. so was always trying to like not control me, but like to make sure that I wasn't doing things I wasn't supposed to be doing, which of course yes. then made me as a as a young gay man only want to like rebel more, right? Like yeah. if like I remember she always didn't want me smoking cigarettes. She used to work as a nurse. And then as soon as I was out of the house, I was like smoking cigarettes, smoking, smoking, smoking. And I don't smoke now for six years. But yeah. um, but it's whereas some of the kids when I lived in Europe, their parents were like less telling them what to do. And I remember I had some friends who started smoking in high school. And then by the time they were 18, they were like, yeah, we don't like it. But they didn't feel like them doing sure. that would then help them claim their identity that's separate from their family. Because their family was like, you can smoke if you want to smoke. That's fine. Like, we're not, we don't have a problem, but it's not healthy for you. But like, not like then judging them, you know? Um, yeah. Where, where did you grow up? I grew up in Cyprus. So I grew up at a time when being gay was illegal. And then it was only, I think, when I turned four years old that it finally became legalized. But there was a lot of stigma and still is even though we legalize almost legalize gay marriage right now but throughout my childhood it was gay people are criminals and pedophiles so that was the judgment that was imprinted in me and that's even i studied history when i was in college and being gay around the world even in countries where we think it's like always been the case has not always been the case um i remember one thing i was reading was about being gay in England in like the early 1900s. And the police officers would go in the bathroom and they would jerk off. And then if the guys would come in and try to join them, they would arrest them. And eventually the court said, this is not allowed, but it was not allowed because it made the police officers put themselves in a gay situation, not because of entrapment. And wow. I was like, wow, this is totally crazy. So when I was, after I had my history degree and I was like, should I do porn? And I'm like, well, everybody watches porn. Everyone I know enjoys porn. And then there's like the older generations that are like, don't do porn. This is bad for you. This is not good. We're now like, now everyone's on OnlyFans doing it. Like now the market's super oversaturated. There's tons of, and so this year, the number one search porn 
uh, word on Pornhub was twink. And the huh. twinks are having a reemergence. And I think it's yes. because back in the day, if you were doing studio porn and you were a twink, the shelf life was really limited. You would do a bunch of scenes. Everybody would want to use you for scenes. Everybody would be offering money for you, giving you drugs, giving you whatever you needed to try to like influence you. And then they would burn out, go crazy. It wasn't sustainable. Where now you have all these like really hot twinks from all over the world who have learned the business model of OnlyFans are in complete control and are making as much money as like pro athletes or something. And so it's really made more twinks want to get in the game. So the level of hot twinks has really gone up and the level of successful twinks has really gone up and they haven't necessarily crossed over a hundred percent into studio porn, but a lot of yeah. them, they would never have to. Have you heard of Romeo twink? I haven't. He um, he's from Germany, and I heard that he's living in Cyprus now. That's why I wasn't sure. Really, if, um, I need to check this out. Okay, yes. And this is just from the rumor mill, so you know how stories always get changed and embellished, yes. and it might not be exactly right. But I heard that he was living there because it was more favorable tax than living it is. in Germany. It is. We're a tax haven, <laughs> and he was supposedly making like one of the most on OnlyFans. And when these guys are making like the top 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, they're making between like 60 and 100,000 or more a month. So for wow. them to be offered $1,000 by a porn studio and not have control of their image, there's just no reason. If I was making that money, I might have never gone into porn. But for me, I always, I always wanted to do porn just to check it out and to see what it was all about. Mm. I'm curious because we're coming towards the end of, of our chat, I feel like I could chat to you for hours. Like you have so much that I want to learn, but I'm mindful of your time. So what are you most looking forward to filming or creating next? What do you see as like the next phase? Or do you want to keep doing more of what you're already doing on OnlyFans? Or do you have any ideas for something more? Do you have any projects in mind? One of the things I've always wanted to do is organize um, travel trips. Yes. Um, I love going on the gay cruises and I love older men, especially older men with money that like to have great times and to yeah. spend their money and to enjoy life. So I'm putting together a trip to Amsterdam this summer for pride. Wow. Um, and I'm trying to like, lo I locked in a hotel right on the canal um, that the parade is on. They have a boat parade and I've been to Amsterdam like two or three times a year. I went to high school in Amsterdam, not in Amsterdam, but in Holland. So I speak yeah. a little bit of Dutch. And I have a real connection to the country. So I'm excited to show people why I love the parties and love the sex clubs and love all of that. So I'm trying to see if I can turn that into a business and try yes. to start offering more. And not like in terms of escorting, like I'm not having sex with these people. Spoiler alert, if anyone's listening, thinking that if they book a trip, I'm going to have sex with them. That's not the case. <laughs> but, um, but I will happily show them a good time. Last year, I did a TV show called Go Go for the Gold which was like a reality competition show with go-go dancers. And I, I created the show and was executive producer of it. So I might wow. want to do more stuff in, in television, but um, not in reality television. I'd rather do something that's scripted, but I don't know yeah. how open-minded the market is. Like I was thinking about writing an only fan show about all the different ups and downs people have with it. Cause like when you get into only fans, at first, it seems like everything's great. And then you realize that there's like different problems. A lot of the guys aren't paying their taxes. A lot of people have 
questionable experiences with other models that leaves a bad taste in their mouth, their families find out or work finds out. So I think there's a lot of things that a scripted show could kind of help people learn about the industry and that it's not all just smoke and mirrors that make everything look glamorous and hot. Yeah. So for now, just focusing on uh, creating videos and then putting together this kind of inaugural experience to Amsterdam. I love the idea of, of the Amsterdam cruise. I've always wanted to go on a gay cruise. This might be it since I'm in Europe as well. I'll be sure to check that out. And where can people find out more information about it? How, are you posting it on your Instagram or do you have a different place as well? Yeah, I'm posting it on Instagram and Twitter. And then I'm having people send me their email address. Um, right now, there's already 50 people that want information. I'm not sure if the, it's more of a high-end trip. It's at a five-star hotel. And in order for me to make some margins to be able to do the trip and to make a little bit of profit and pay taxes on it, it's going to be quite expensive. But if you look at these high-end trips, they're all quite expensive. Yeah, they So I'm are. not it's sure like how many people will be dissuaded by it. So I'm not sure if, what the availability will be on it. Hopefully it sells out. That would be great. But yeah, just if you, if you listen to this podcast and you send me a message on any um, platform, I'll follow you back. My Twitter is Gerg is the word. That's G-R-G-I-S-T-H-E-W-E-R-D. Um, just um, it's my first name, Greg, without the E, and then instead of an E for word, the name came from my friend who read a comment on Facebook, and it said, like it was like Gerg, you are so hot, and he spread <laughs> it in like an accent, and he goes, "That's your name, Gerg," and then he's like, "Gerg, Gerg, Gerg, Gerg is the word, like Gerg <laughs> is it. the word." So that was where it originally came from. And all the links will be available in the show notes below, including your OnlyFans page as well, so that people can check it out. And my final question has nothing to do with porn. Like, What other passions do you have and things that people might not expect from you? Like you just told me that you have a degree in history. That's something new. What is it about you that you think that people probably don't know about you? That's interesting. Well, that I lived overseas growing up. Um, I lived in Europe from 13 to 18. So I'm American, but I got a lot of culture from living in Europe and a lot of open-minded beliefs. So that was one of the reasons why I felt like having fun, going to festivals, like all things that in Holland are totally normal. Where in America, they're like, oh, you're a druggie if you go to festivals or, or you're a sex addict if you go to the bathhouse too much. Where in Europe, they're like, no, it's here if you want it. Like, choose your own adventure like so that and that I, I love to travel for me working is being able to travel not my life is not work my life i have a nice work life balance so that's probably the main thing greg it's been such a pleasure chatting to you i've learned so much i've had so much fun with all the stories you shared i really laughed out loud i couldn't speak into the microphone while i laughed because that would make it annoying for people listening in. But thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and and sharing your story and your experience and, and all your fun. And I can't wait for everyone to experience your magic in your porn and your cruises and everything. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed getting to talk to you today. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any insights or a story to share, message me on Instagram at George Lizos and tell me all about it. I would love to hear from you.